Welcome to the Capitol Beach. My name is Derek Brockbank. I'm your host for the Capitol Beach, where we talk about uh, policy issues and dig into the weeds of, of coastal policy. Uh, I'm very excited to be joined uh, today by Rachel Keelan, who's the Federal Affairs Director for Coastal States Organization, and Tony Pratt, the president of ASBPA, as we dig into part two of our five-part series on ASBPA's joint, ASBPA and CSO's joint uh, policy on beach and remote management. As I mentioned last time, I uh, these are my two organizations. I'd spent the past six years as executive director of ASBPA, and I recently joined Coastal States Organization as their executive director. So this is both my past and my present and hopefully my future. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about our permitting and how permitting will impact coastal, uh, coastal projects and, and coastal waterways. Um, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to check out their brand new Coastal Resilience Department, headed up by ASPN's own Peter Ravella. Find them at lja.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at coastalnewstoday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at chloe at coastalnewstoday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. Okay, great. Welcome back. Uh, thanks again for joining me, Tony and Rachel, as we did uh, last last time on sediment management. We are going to be talking about permitting. Um, as I think all of our listen- listeners know, uh, permitting is an important part of the coastal projects, of, of maintaining coastal projects. I think everyone agrees that uh, we need to be protecting our environment and protecting our resources and protecting human health. Um, and it's absolutely critical that we do maintain uh, strong environmental protections as we do coastal projects. However, permitting can also um, take time and sometimes time is of the essence when we're doing coastal projects. And and if uh, if we're seeing, you know, as we start to see more rapid and, and uh, intensified uh, climate impacts and sea level rise, sometimes we can't put off projects for a long time if, if we're going to be working on them. So uh, a real challenge to both maintain the environmental integrity of our coastline while also making sure that we can move critical projects forward. Um, Rachel, you want to give us a, a quick overview of sort of w- what we're trying to accomplish in this uh, in this section? Yeah, thanks, Derek. So this section proposes policies that would both ensure that environmental protection standards for beneficial use projects are met um, by using the best available science, while also recognizing that there are things that could and should be done to promote promote timeliness and efficiency for uh, beneficial use project permitting. Great. And, uh, you know, in some ways we, you mentioned beneficial use, but I also think there's aspects here of, um, you know, just shoreline restoration projects, ecological restoration projects on the coastline. Um, you know, we've all sort of probably heard experiences where we're trying to do some sort of ecological good, but it's, you know, there's there's some contrast with uh, maybe short-term damage that's being done. You know, you're trying to restore a system for the long term, but in the short term, you might be impacting a, a species or a plant or a, a recreational opportunity. Um, Tony, I want to turn it over to you. Uh, you know, I'll let you give sort of your overview on permitting, but I might tee that up with a couple of the bullets that we have in here. So um, the, the first two bullets in our joint policy talk about the need to uh, provide funding to the federal and state agencies to do 
coastal uh, to do permitting issues, to do regulatory. So federal funding, uh, funding federal permitting agencies at a level commensurate with the permitting demand to enable efficient coordinated permit approval and enforcement, and then also providing dedicated and predictable funding to uh, state regulatory agencies to advance upfront coordination and meet project deadlines. So I'll I'll throw this open to you. you worked for uh, many, many years as the shoreline and waterway administrator for the state of Delaware. Um, I'm sure you must have had times where you confront delays in federal permitting. Um, can you talk a bit about sort of what the challenges are with permitting and then why it's important that both federal and state agencies get funded and are coordinating when doing coastal permitting? Sure, glad to. And, and let me start off by saying that uh, among my colleagues nationally, and I've, I've worked with folks in almost every state, having been involved with ASBPA for a long time, uh, I'm, I'm unique individually as the, the point that I, I not only ran a regulatory program, why I was uh, in within my group, we regulated uh, construction on dunes and beaches and had a setback line. So I, I'm sensitized to the permitter side I'm also sensitized to the applicant side as well, because we also had to get permits from sister state agencies as well as the federal government. So I, I've looked at looked at it very closely and been in the trenches on both sides of the issue of permitting. Um, so it gives me that perhaps unique position to to sympathize with what the permitters have to go through. Um, and but but let's talk a little bit about the the process that has occurred over the years. And I've been working still in retirement, working on a few projects that are going through permitting. The windows of permitting uh, are, are, to me, exceedingly long in the subaqueous and wetlands lands uh, process, both at the federal and state level. I'm working at a project right now in Delaware specifically, and talking at probably anywhere from eight to nine months to realistically get permits out, is maybe as much as 10 months to get a permit out uh, from the process that we have to go through. That certainly should be improved upon, and I have experienced personally the lack of personnel available to process, uh, the numerous uh, public comments that come in. Uh, there are often very legitimate concerns, but sometimes there's some arbitrary concerns that could be dealt with. Uh, personally, I have, uh, we, we launched one of the first beneficial use of dredge material projects with dredges that are owned within my group where we did a, a, a wetlands uh, supplement where the wetland was not keeping up with sea level rise, advocated very strongly by uh, the wetlands managers within the state of Delaware, but then found opposition within certain individuals of the Corps who felt that we were just using this as an opportunity to fill up a marsh, and they personally dug in against it. So there are institutional issues as well as just the funding issues, but it is it is problematic. I think we need to have a, a higher level of acceptance from the permitting uh, side of things on these beneficial uses. They're environmentally advantageous. They're going to help uh, in, in a large variety of ways. So I think there's a lot of work to be done, but it's it's um, something that is glad to see included in this and is it's something that's the focus of the joint uh, partnership going forward. Yeah, it's an interesting one. You mentioned the beneficial use on on a marsh. Uh, I've done a little bit of work on the uh, how we improve and increase thin layer placement um, as sea level rises. Uh, many marshes are going to get flooded out, are going to get inundated, and we'll lose the um, the values that are provided by marsh and wetland systems. 
Uh, at the same time, we're trying to dredge channels or, or bays for navigation purposes that would allow, um, you know, where we need to place that sediment. And so we can proverbially kill two birds with one stone by taking that sediment and placing it on that marsh. If we can do it properly, we should be able to do it in a way that helps those marshes accrete, build, you know, keep pace with sea level rise. So you should be able to maintain those navigation depths while at the same time um, protecting marshes. But you know, in the year after you put a, a, a mud or sediment on a marsh, it can often, you know, not kill the marsh, but often what looks like, you know, kill the marsh because um, you're, you know, you're, you're burying it in a certain amount of mud and then that marsh will regrow uh, stronger afterwards. You're also looking at turbidity issues. You know, if you're putting sediment into a, a wetland system, you're going to have runoff. And so how do you deal with those issues? So this is a, you know, a big challenge. And I'll just, throw one more thing in there, which is you mentioned, you know, eight, 10 months to, to get a permit. I, I've certainly talked to, you know, colleagues in, in Florida where they're looking at sea turtle issues, coral issues. And, you know, I think they'd love to have eight to 10 months. I mean, I think sometimes it's taking them a year and a half, two years to get their, uh, their permits through and maybe even longer. So this is a challenge all over the country on a lot of different issues. Um, uh, Rachel, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I'm going to sort of, you can certainly comment on this, but wanted to have you uh, discuss the next bullet on um, on our joint policy, which says have states serve as the centralized coordinator for state and federal permitting to create efficiencies through voluntary and innovative, innovative state-led permitting approaches. Um, so again, sort of feel free to comment broadly on permitting, but then also talk about uh, why we decided to say that states should be the, the lead, um, states should play the lead on both state and federal permitting processes. Great, thanks. So this policy really recognizes that beach and inlet management projects, um, including beneficial use and other coastal restoration projects, require a good deal of permitting and other environmental protection approvals. Um, and this can include state permits, federal permits through the Army Corps of Engineers, Federal Endangered Species Act assessments through U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the National Marine Fisheries Service, and federal um essential fish habitat assessments also through the National Marine Fisheries Service, among others. So with so many different permits and assessments through multiple entities, which as uh, Tony noted, can sometimes take forever, um, CSO and ASBPA recommend that uh, the coordination of all of the permits be centralized with a state or territory coastal zone management program serving as a central permitting coordinator. So under this framework, an application process could be simplified and have the state or territory program work directly with the federal agencies to ensure that the appropriate federal permits are obtained and environmental reviews are completed. This would make the process a lot easier for the applicants. It would promote greater state-federal coordination on the approval of beach and inlet management projects, and it would promote concurrent state and federal review, which should reduce the time it takes for project permitting approval. Um, and, you know, the state and territory coastal zone management programs are really uniquely poised to serve as a permitting coordinator. These programs were established as a state federal partnership under the Coastal Zone Management Act and for nearly 50 years have been managing our nation's coasts. These programs have regulatory authority um, for issuing permits for activities within, the, within their state or territory coastal zone. 
they also have the authority to ensure that federal actions, such as federal permits for activities within the state or territory coastal zone, are consistent with the state's approved enforceable policies. Um, with these two key authorities, the coastal zone management programs really are well equipped to serve as centralized permitting coordinators. Thanks, Rachel. And you you threw one piece in there that I want to pull out and maybe have you talk a little bit more about. Um, that state uh, and federal approvals are conducted concurrently to the maximum extent practicable. Can you sort of explain what that means and why that's important? Yeah. So instead of having basically a state have to go through the approval process, then sending it up to the federal agency to do an approval process, then sending it over to another federal agency to do a biological opinion, then sending it back to that agency to do the review again, this would be something that would be trying to bring all of those steps to be happening kind of at the same time. So once the state gets it, before they start doing their review process, they send it up to the federal agencies and they're coordinating across all of the different agencies that need to have their hands on this for doing uh, environmental reviews and environmental permitting so that everything is kind of happening more at the same time. And then it's being coordinated and going back just through the state entity back to the applicant. So the applicant isn't hearing um, you got approved on your biological opinion, but you didn't get approved on your permit over here, or you did get this permit, but you didn't get that one. It's a more coordinated effort and it should ultimately make things move a little bit quicker and just be a little bit more clear for the applicant. I think that's such a s sort of obvious uh, solution to improving timelines on on permitting, um, but something that really needs to happen. But I think circles back a little bit to, um, to the first point, which is the need for funding and funding permitting agencies at the level of commensurate, right? Coordination takes time and, and time is money. If you're asking a, you know, uh, a, a regulator, a biologist to sit in sort of at the beginning of the process, they need to be able to do that. And if, if they've just got a, you know, a stack of work, you know, papers a, a foot high to try to get to, they're just going to get to the ones at the top. But this actually means integrating them into the permitting process throughout. So, you know, these obviously fit together. We want them to be done concurrently. It makes logical sense, but that also might take a little bit of extra funding to do, um, to do the coordination. Uh, you know, I, this one I think is, we have some pretty straightforward bullets in here. I, I, if you're interested, I'd certainly encourage you to go to the ASBPA and, and or CSO website and check out the uh, full policy. Uh, we've touched on a couple of the high level bullets, but we have some sub bullets talking specifically about what National Marine Fisheries can do, what U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service can do, and, and stuff like that. Um, Tony, Rachel, I'll sort of open it up to either of you if you have any sort of final thoughts on on permitting and how this policy, how it, these policies might improve the permitting process on coastal projects. But if I could just share one one uh, example from Delaware, and I don't know if other states are doing it, that the Philadelphia district uh, in their permitting uh, branch, number of quite a number of years ago, thirty years ago, decades ago, established what's called the Joint Permit Processing Group, uh, and it's an opportunity I think once a month that the a variety of regulators, Corps of Engineers uh, in Delaware. It's the it's the Wetlands and Subaqueous Lands Group that does the permitting for that group. Uh, my old group, the Beach Preservation Section, um, uh, what was, ended up being Shoreline and Waterway Management, but the Beach Preservation Group that does the regulatory work. Uh, the Coastal Zone Management folks uh, looking at state consistency and uh, state historical affairs folks come together once a month and listen to projects that are being proposed. Uh, within the state's waters and wetlands and um, have a chance to, to talk about them with the applicant, which is very 
uh, informative to both sides as to what the project's about and how it could go forward efficiently. So I think that's a great model uh, of how there is coordination as a project is just being proposed and then can shepherd it through a little bit more quickly. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Tony. Uh, I think it's really important to note that there are a lot of good examples of um, how permitting is being done. You know, we often, it's easy to sort of point to the places where it's not working appropriately or where we feel like it could be uh, more efficient. But I also think it's worth noting that there are some places where it really is working nicely. And so, you know, we we are in a, a federal system where we have, you know, states and local communities uh, and, you know, you've got local core districts. Um, and so not everyone is, is operating on the same uh, at the same level. And so trying to make sure that, you know, the efficiencies that are working in one place can be translated and, and applied elsewhere. Um, well, thank you guys so much for joining me. Hopefully, uh, if you're listening to this, you found this uh, informative and, and hopefully interested in finding out a bit more about what we're doing. Um, if you haven't already, please go ahead and check out our uh, section one on sediment management and uh, please take a listen to the upcoming sections on funding and development where we should be building and where we shouldn't be and also coastal science and research that we will be recording shortly um, Rachel, Tony, thanks so much for joining me Thank you.